0: Dr. Romy Mushtaq is one of the most fascinating people I've met in hospitality. After spending six years as the chief wellness officer at Evolution Hospitality, she recently moved to Great Wolf Resorts to be their chief wellness officer. And in this episode, you're going to learn how she takes care of the people providing hospitality. And there's plenty of lessons here for you and your hospitality business. Hospitality. Hospitality. Hospitality.
1: Hospitality brings people together.
0: This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started.
1: Every company in today's world needs a chief wellness officer. This is going to save healthcare in America and globally, solve the mental health crisis. And I'm going to get into it at Y and improve culture so people are engaged and they want to stay at work and they have work life balance. That's my pitch. And you can measure ROI. So coming into this incredible role at Great Wolf Resorts, I spent the last six years at Evolution Hospitality as their chief wellness officer. And John Murphy is now the CEO at Great Wolf. And I was recruited there to join them. And so excited because one of the gifts of walking into Great Wolf Resorts is they have an incredible people-driven culture that's already well-established. So getting to walk in there, think when a doctor or medical doctor like myself or doctor of psychology walks in, we have a unique angle of a piece of the pie, like another piece to the afternoon chai party in my auntie's living room that we're going to Add the piece of wellness into the culture. There's so many other things that a chief people officer, or chief human resource officer, does to bolster a culture. Our piece is the wellness and belonging. It's not that unique of a role today. When I was first named CWO in 2018, I was probably the first or one of the first doctors in this role. Today, about we estimate from the Corporate Wellness Institute, IPMI's Corporate Wellness Institute, there's about 250 300 chief wellness officers in the United States and Large companies or Fortune 500 companies, but only about 10% of us are medical doctors or PhD psychologists. The rest are still high level seasoned HR executives. I don't think there's a right or wrong. I'm biased as a doctor thinking we bring in the extra element to understand population health to be able to look at health and wellness data. And in simple terms, what does that mean, Josiah? Nobody wants to be told to eat berries and breathe anymore and everything's going to be fine, right? Or how many times a wellness program has failed because you're gonna give a Fitbit to somebody that's already wearing an Apple Watch that's already getting twenty-three step thousand steps in? Neither one of those things shows your people that you care and that you are here and that you are listening to them. And so, my role at Great Wolf Resorts, as you and I are recording this podcast, I'm just stepping into this new role. I'm getting to know the incredible pop culture so that we can create a customized health and wellness program, that speaks the language of the pack, that speaks their culture. And that's been the secret sauce to other chief wellness officers and my previous success. You don't just walk in with a generic nutrition plan or exercise plan and ask people to do it. You get to know their needs. So everything will be data driven. I'm so honored to partner with their chief people officer and their VP of HR to get insurance data, to health insurance data, to Look at their associate opinion surveys. And I've already done some initial surveys as well to use that data and assess what the special needs of the pack are and then create a wellness program, which is promoting your mental well being, happiness, and physical well being, but also a health program because there are people with health issues and they need that extra guidance. It may just be as simple as making sure we're partnering you with a primary care doctor that can actually get you in and see you, right? So that's going to be my role. And so I look forward to maybe coming back a year from now and showing you the data that we looked at, the data we measured and what the ROI is and what PAC wellness looks like. And if anybody is listening to this and curious, I would say there are four or five of us chief wellness officers around the United States that always seem to be on the same panel. Because the results we've created are above the industry standards. And it had to do with two things. We had absolute buy in from the top, our CEO and executive leadership teams, they were involved in it. And two, whatever wellness and health programs we rolled out, it was in the language of the culture of the people of the company.
0: It sounds like you're doing a lot of listening right now. You're stepping into this new role. It's mm-hmm. not, I mentioned a lot of conversations, but listening on, more of an aggregated level through surveys, through looking at different data sets. What are you listening for?
1: Mm, yeah. I'm also I'm listening to data and aggregate sets, but I'm also hoping to do a listening tour at the lodges and just listen to the needs of the people. I think it, it goes back to the skills I learned from some of my most compassionate aunties, right? The ability to not say a word and listen from your heart, not from your ears. But when you spoke, it was something that needed to be said. That's one. Two, listening from the point of view as a doctor to look at the scientific rigor of the data. And three, listen to what the people are saying they need, that it is not fruitful or doesn't create results when you just give everybody the same advice they get at the primary care doctor's office or in an Instagram. Room. You need to sleep, exercise, meditate. Well, gosh. You know, when you're working in hospitality and you have to pull a double shift or work third shift overnight at night audit, there's different needs of people. To answer your deeper question, what am I going to be looking at data specifically? Because I think this is going to, ears should perk up of CHROs and chief people officers that are listening to this and and maybe even cynical CFOs of like, what's the ROI? You can look at snapshot of annual data, which is what were the top insurance claims that are driving that particular organization. So there are trends in public health of the United States, but every organization is different. So one, I want to look at that, right? And so the example is if cardiovascular health is trending more in the insurance claims than mental health, when we kind of know where the focus needs to be, just as, as one simple example, an associate opinion survey scores. They have to be careful with that. That's a snapshot of data you capture once a year. You have to look at the day-to-day operational data. And to me, that's those simple things. And an example I used when I introduced myself to the company at our annual leadership conference just last week, God, it's going by fast. I remember saying, I need to learn your operations because the needs of our aquatic employees for their health and well-being is very different than the people that are sitting on back-to-back meetings on Microsoft Teams eight hours a day in the corporate office. And so learning operations and what the physical and mental needs are for that. And then looking at the day-to-day metrics that drive work-life balance and wellness. Like, how long of a commute do these team members have? Are they working from home? How many of them have a part-time job and maybe a second job after this or in school? Like, that all really determines your mental well-being and your physical health. And then the third thing I'll say, and I have to say this as a doctor, and it's a challenge in corporate America, but not one that we can overcome. And you can ask me more if you want, but access to care, right? Does everybody have access to some kind of care? How can we get
0: better at that as hospitality leaders?
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, in my perfect utopian world, everyone would have access to healthcare coverage. Now that's Romy living pie in the sky clouds, and that's not reality. The reality of a lot of our hospitality companies is they're self-insured and you're dealing with the challenges of benefits for part-time employees and that that just becomes impossible to find coverage. So here are three simple things that I learned in my previous role that we can do is one, make sure for part-time employees or employees that for some reason financially don't qualify for a health insurance plan, that they know the options of the Affordable Care Act and that the, it's a sliding scale that can give them some form of health care coverage. I think my most sacred time, if I'm allowed to use that word, as a chief wellness officer, and that I miss greatly was the time I spent on the ground in the hotels with our housekeeping team and food and beverage teams, some of our hardest working heart of the house members. And in me listening and being an auntie, I didn't make them come into a ballroom. I would go on rounds with the executive housekeeping or the director of housekeeping and learn to make beds. And six years later, I still stink at it. But in those moments of silliness and connection, I would hear the stories of how many of our housekeepers didn't have health insurance. Their prescription drugs for life-saving medications for high blood pressure and diabetes were unaffordable. My job as a doctor and chief wellness officer was to sit there with an interpreter for half the day and find them free medical clinics, affordable prescription drug programs. Now, if you could scale that inside hospitality, we're winning. So for our associates that for some reason don't get covered by our benefits, I think if we expand that access, you're getting a happier and healthier workforce. And this feeling like she's there and I care. My boss is there and they care. And I think that's some of the things I think about
0: I'm really excited to see what you'll create at Great Wolf. You're just getting started. You're listening to a lot of people. And I imagine that will be very designed with based on what you hear. Right. Mm -hmm. And but I'm kind of curious if there's any things that you kind of see happening in the world of wellness that you're looking at or excited by that you might Mm -hmm. be considering potentially for the program.
1: Well, I can't say anything I'm considering for the program at this point. I'm so new and it's consulting and I need to work with the CEO and the entire executive leadership team and all of our leaders. But if I had to give trends just to every leader Mm -hmm. that's listening right now inside hospitality and outside hospitality, from a doctor's point of view, there are two things that I would ask people to really think hard about tackling. That is a public health crisis that's affecting the workplace. The first thing is, I know you're tired of hearing it the mental health crisis that's happening. As you and I record the data, this podcast, the data is alarming that just came out from Gallup's 2023 State of the Workplace, as well as the 2023 mental health data from the American Psychological Association, the levels of stress and the levels of burnout are rising every year. And we're going into an election season, economic uncertainty, it's only going to feel worse, right? And Too often in workplace wellness programs, inside and outside hospitality, people think a mental health or wellness program is having a meditation app. That's for mental well-being, not for disease or having an employee assistance programs. And those are overloaded and many of them are not maximized. And people say, well, we have an EAP program, but they have no idea how is it being utilized does EAP have providers that are available on your insurance plan in every market you're on? Like doing some of that deep digging and finding alternative solutions. And I think there is a lot of cutting edge mental health tech that's being developed and already out there that's giving employees solutions that they can 24 seven talk to someone via text, talk to them via FaceTime, make an, a virtual appointment and get into therapy. So I really think that needs to be tackled because work stress is feeding the mental health crisis and the mental health crisis is making us less engaged as a workforce and less productive. So that's one area. Ask me questions about that before I get into the second area, which I think will surprise a lot of people that
0: are listening. What do you feel like in that area? Most people are, you touched on this a little bit, but what are they uh, missing or misunderstanding Mm -hmm. in this area that you want them to set the record straight on?
1: Mental well-being is very different than mental health. So a good program has both things. Mental well-being is, am I teaching you emotional resilience? Am I teaching you to manage negative emotions? Am I teaching you practices like gratitude that are going to help you with work-life balance? There is a mental health crisis of anxiety, depression, bipolar, our neurodiverse employees. It's mental and spiritual bypassing if you just tell someone who's burnt out, depressed or anxious You need a gratitude practice that's inappropriate and will actually make them feel worse or isolated like they don't belong. I mean, that's why I wrote the Busy Brain Cure. There's a cure for the burnout there for those people as one solution. So I think that's what most people are getting wrong, that you need the entire spectrum for mental well-being, but also the ability to help people with actual mental disease.
0: Mm, Mm -hmm. That's helpful and I appreciate you clarifying that. I would love to hear about You mentioned there's a second area. Yes, that
1: we're going to just, it's like going to a different swimming pool or going to like a completely different hotel property style. So clear your brain for the mental health data. The really shocking data that's come out of the Journal of American Medical Association in 2023 was looking at over 70% of Americans right now have early or developed insulin resistance. It doesn't mean you have Frank diabetes type 2 diabetes but insulin resistance can show up from chronic stress and insulin resistance can affect the brain that you're getting early dementia that's known as type 3 diabetes this is also a workplace health crisis because most CHROs and benefits coordinators in companies I think across hospitality and when you look at the public health data across every sector in America the number one employee cost is heart disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, hypertension, stroke, everything related to this insulin resistance and inflammation. And I think companies that are going to win the game are going to be the people that are supporting employees in their health and their well-being and disease management with this insulin resistance. So that's Helping social isolation and stress management, which can throw off insulin resistance. I go over that in chapter seven in the book in detail. But also, this is going to be controversial. And I can't wait for your listeners to come back and say this. Like, are we going to need to do something to lower the costs of the GLP1 agonists like Ozempic and Wagovi and all those drugs that are coming out and having broader coverage in the workplace with benefits? Like, the upfront cost could be massive. And I think that's why people are going to get pushback. But there are some early clinical trials going on to test this in the workplace that if we pay up front for someone to go on these GLP-1 agonist drugs, which are very expensive, like, you know, $700 to $1,500 a month, in the long run, could it save not only someone's life, but a catastrophic medical event and health insurance costs. So that's the second area that has my interest. Thank you for letting me geek out with you medically. I don't know if this is like above and beyond for hospitality daily, Josiah, but like at a high level, when I get to sit with CEOs and CHROs and other chief wellness officers, like this is the data I geek out with to hear their brilliant minds and how they would tackle
0: it from their specialties. I appreciate you getting into it because I wanna move beyond just what everybody's talking about. I wanna get into kind of where are the frontiers Mm -hmm. of taking care of people? And everyone I talk to says, you know, hospitality is fundamentally about people. agreed, but what are the implications for leaders in that world then? You know, what yeah. do you practically do to take care of people? Yeah. And I feel like you've outlined yeah. in so many different dimensions mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. where leaders or anybody in hospitality yeah. can take care of the people around yeah.
1: them. And I think in simple terms, we say brain shift is micro habits that stack upon each other. And in our leadership talks, we talk about a brain shift as what are you doing? You individually listening for your brain, for your body, and then for your team. And if you build a wellness program around this, the brain, the body and the team, You see, that's exactly what you and I have covered in some long-winded answers. So I apologize. I'm turned into my aunties. I give you long-winded doctor auntie answers. But we've covered what you do for your team. Show that I am here and I'm care. And you manage your energy in front of your team. What are you doing for their brains? We talked about the difference between mental well-being and mental health crisis. And then what are you doing for the body? And the biggest thing that everyone should be thinking about right now is this insulin resistance problem that is plaguing the United States.
0: I'll include links in the show notes, Dr. Mm -hmm. Romy, where people can learn more about you and your work. But maybe those who are just listening to the audio or watching this video, is there any special place you would point them, encourage them Mm -hmm. to learn more about you and your work?
1: Oh, thank you. You know what? We just want to give resources. So you can take the Busy Brain Test. We'll put that in the show notes here or go to my website at drromy.com. And The Busy Brain Cure, The Eight-Week Plan to Find Focus, Tame Anxiety, Sleep Again, now a USA Today national bestseller book. Hey is on sale globally, where books are sold in English and five more languages being released in 2024.
0: That's incredible. The achievement is incredible. It represents a lifetime of work in this area. And so I appreciate you joining today to share some of the ideas behind this, how you're thinking about this. I'm really excited to see what you create at Great Wolf. And I would love to have you back on the show at some point. But Dr. Romy, thanks for taking some time. Do you want your teams to make better decisions and free them up to provide the best hospitality? Of course you do. It's probably why you're listening to this podcast. It's also why you should meet Hotelier, the software behind every great host. Hotelier brings together the best features and functionality from MDO, DataVision, InTouch, HelloGM, Focal Revenue Solutions, and Broadvine to deliver a unified platform that meets the evolving needs of today's Hotelier. Their product suite is built to optimize your portfolio's performance and make work more rewarding for both you and your teams, presenting the right information at the right time to make the best decisions more quickly and improve operational efficiency. I encourage you to listen to my interview with their CEO, Vic, on the podcast this week. I was blown away by how they're using data and business intelligence to turn AI from just a buzzword in the industry into something that's very practical and possible for anyone on your team to benefit from. This is how you drive results. I have a link to this in the show notes and encourage you to learn more at otelier.io. That's O-T-E-L-I-E-R.io. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you, and what we covered in this show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you here tomorrow.